life stories. Passion. Career growth. And success. You're listening to Historia with your host, Kim Gonzalez. Welcome to another episode of our segment, ESL in Focus. And in this episode, we will be focusing more on the history of ESL in the Philippines. So we have our guest today. Her name is Flor Rivera, one of the pioneers in the ESL sector of the BPO industry in the Philippines. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. Yes, Hi, Kim. Uh, Thank you for having me here in Astoria. I'm yes. thrilled to be part of the stories here on your podcast. Thank so you. So my Thomas. name is Florence Rivera. I actually wear many hats. I'm an English teacher, a tour and travel operator, an entrepreneur, a people manager, an HR and leadership coach and consultant. So I now have my own travel business, but because of the pandemic, it's been dead for more than a year now because tourism is not allowed. So I'm working more on my consultancy work, mostly on HR and management. But before all these, I was deep into English training into ESL. I was head of the human resources of GoFluent, a European English training company that I believe started the ESL e-learning field or industry in the Philippines. And eventually I helped start and one of the co-founders of 5-1 Talk Philippines or China Online English Group. So there. Wow, <laughs> impressive. So you were one of the pioneers, as you mentioned. So you're now working in travel industry now, but still because of the pandemic, so you have to divert or pivot. Yeah, you have to pivot in another uh, field or another, a little bit of a different work. Okay, so since you already introduced yourself, you already talked about what you're working on, I want to dive a little deeper into your origin story. What I really love about your profile because you is that you mentioned you were one of the pioneers of ESL and I didn't hesitate right away to invite you here. So please talk about your early life and how you reach your highest ESL position. Hmm. Yes, I like that. I like talking about ESL history. (laughs) (laughs) In early 2000, I joined GoFluent originally as a corporate English trainer. It was newly founded here. GoFluent is the leader in ESL industry in Europe. And before they opened in Manila, they only have US-based teachers. So eventually the company here in Manila grew and they discovered how there are so many great English teachers who are Filipino and they were actually surprised at that. Um, I also got, you know, more roles in the company as it grew. So from an English teacher, I became the head of standards or QA and training quality assurance, not just for the Philippine teachers, but also for North American teachers. So I, after a few years, I eventually headed the human resources team 
So I got more into the business or management side of ESL, not just the teaching side of it. And then in 2011, that's like after eight, nine years, <laughs> two Chinese Beijing-based founders approached me to join 5-1 Talk. So they found out that there are great teachers in the Philippines also, and they want to bring it to China. So they look for someone in the Philippines who can help them. And they approached me. So eventually I joined the team as the very first general manager and one of the core founders of the company. Uh, there were actually four Chinese core founders and me. So in the Philippines, I designed the Philippine operations from scratch, basically. So it was a very stressful time because Five One Talk is a very ambitious startup. It's a startup that that got investments from venture capitalists mm -hmm. from Silicon Valley and from China. So I worked on the design of the company, the HR training, quality support operations, recruitment, leadership, all that while taking care of admin and business work as well. Wow. So after a few years, it got really successful. Though I left the company in 2014, I became a consultant for two more years until 2016. And I think it was in 2018 that they became New York listed. So it's now the biggest English training platform in the world when it comes to English training. Yeah. So yeah. it started really humbly. Our very first office was like the size of a studio apartment. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's wow. quite an amazing story, really, how, how that started. Wow. So, yes, that's basically the history of ESL. Wow, I think in the amazing. It's amazing, you know, considering how you started from the bottom and now you're here, you're I can see that that particular company, 51 Talk, it's now one of the leading companies when it comes to ESL in the Philippines. And I really understand about saying that it was a very stressful, stressful time for you, especially early on, you really had to do it yourself. You know, you don't have much resources, so you have to be resourceful. Of course. <laughs> so, <Definitely>, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> definitely. So yeah, it's a hard grind. It's a hard grind if you're at the bottom. So it's the same as when I started my podcast and even up to this day, you really have to do the work. You really have to do the work all by yourself and do everything, like almost do everything, right? By yourself. So yeah, I really understand. <laughs> So it's not easy to be a founder of anything. So yeah, yeah you're right. You really have to start. You have to be self-driven. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you really have to be motivated, like self-motivated, even though it's hard already, like it's difficult. You have to push through despite Carry the on. challenges. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's true. So at this point, we will now focus on the history of the ESL sector in the country. So please tell us about how it all started. You mentioned about the starting point from your perspective, but we're moving to the uh, start of the ESL overall. 
And how did people decided to open ESL businesses here in the Philippines? Hmm. That's a good question. In the 90s, there were a few English training camps and companies already in, the, in Manila, at least. Um, but these are mostly physical or face-to-face -face English companies. So for mostly for Koreans, Japanese, Chinese, right? But mostly Koreans because there's some sort of Korean invasion late 90s in Manila. And eventually they all scattered all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> right? So now they're in all cities of the Philippines. And if there's a Korean restaurant, there's also an English training camp somewhere. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I believe that's how it started. And eventually, GoFluent, as I said, sometime early 2000, started a branch here in the Philippines. Actually, there's also an amazing, amusing story about that. The Filipino founder of GoFluent, Mr. Bobby Diocampo, who's a very good friend of mine and used to be my boss, brought it here. So he studied his master's in France, in Paris, and he was an intern in GoFluent France. And one day he got into the train with the CEO, Christophe Randou. And the CEO asked him, Bobby, where, where are you from again? Why do you speak English so well? <laughs> and Bobby goes, I'm from Manila, Philippines. And then Christophe goes, where is that again? <laughs> where where the philippines is or where manila is you know they probably heard it but they don't exactly know where it is and they didn't know that we actually speak english in the philippines mm -hmm. so when christophe heard that and he asked bobby that bobby said christophe why don't i open an office in manila and we can hire teachers from there and not just from the u.s so that's the beginning of i i believe the very first e-learning ESL company in the Philippines and for Europeans at that. You know, Europeans are, not a lot of them are beginners. A lot of them are already intermediate speakers. So if you were to teach a European, you have to have a certain level of English proficiency already. So in GoFluent, we actually hired top-notch English teachers from Manila originally because of that we needed to show the europeans that there are filipinos who can teach english as well as the americans or the other english speakers in the world so eventually after several years of proving that to the clients a lot of them were actually asking for filipino teachers already because filipinos are generally warm and welcoming unlike I think other English teachers from other parts of the world. So eventually, as um, GoFluent, by the way, is mostly B2B, which means they teach to companies. So the, the clients are companies, big companies all around Europe. So GoFluent has to sign a contract with these companies. So GoFluent becomes the official trainer of the employees of these companies. So it's very difficult to prove to them that English teachers can be, I'm sorry, that Filipino teachers can be great English teachers in the beginning. 
Yeah. So we had to give them trial lessons, a lot of to show them that there are actually so many English teachers in the Philippines who can do the job well. So eventually, it became so successful that a lot of companies were actually begging to have English teachers. <laughs> so we used to say, you know, that GoFluent teachers are actually good ambassadors of the Philippines <laughs> because a lot of our teachers, a lot of our students, Italians, French, Russians, they're all over Europe. They would say, oh, you know, I never know a single Filipino until you, until they got an English teacher who's Filipino. And they never knew that Filipinos can teach English that well. So even now, you know, when I travel, because I travel a lot now, I get to meet some Europeans who studied English sometime in their lives. <laughs> and when I, ask, when I ask them, where did you study English? They would always say go fluent because go fluent is really number one in Europe. So... I would say, really? I used to be an English teacher for GoFluent. And, oh, you're Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, in Europe before, they only know Filipinos as domestic helpers, uh, mostly support people, but not English teachers. So GoFluent actually, you know, started that and introduced the Philippines as a, or the Filipinos as English teachers. So it's, I think it's good for us. It's good for the Philippines. Yeah, That's I a agree. good story now, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, GoFluent, I believe the second biggest e-learning company in the Philippines was Rare Job. So Rare Job eventually started teaching to Japanese students in Japan using Filipino English teachers. And it became a Japanese-listed company also. So it's very big in Japan. And 5-1-Talk, the 5-1-Talk founders actually got inspired by that, by that the story of their job. So they decided to start a company, a similar company, but this time teaching the Chinese. Yeah. And you know how big the Chinese market is. Ah, uh, yes, and definitely. A certain percentage of the Chinese market and you're you're big you'll be big and that's exactly what happened to to five one talk Indeed. so yeah i believe that sums up the esl history after five one talk i've heard of so many other english companies sprouting here you know recruiting english teachers from the philippines and it also became very popular among the young people not just the young people, actually everyone who can speak English, you know, as an alternative career for them. You can work from home, you can work anywhere, as long as you have stable internet, you can speak English, and you can teach, then you're good to go, right? So now more and more people are learning about this, this job, this career. Like you! <laughs> <laughs> That's right, so... For me, I'm also accommodating or I'm also uh, teaching the Chinese market and I'm also looking forward to teach in the Japanese market. So very soon. And yeah, it, it's now known that Filipinos are, even though they're non-native English speakers, are one of the top English uh, speakers to this day. Right. So they are now hired in different countries 
uh, even online at the comfort of their homes. They can teach English as a subject. So there are now lots of opportunities. A lot of companies are sprouting here and there <laughs> yeah, in the city, in my town. I can see ESL companies or ESL offices everywhere, almost everywhere. I can see them now. So it's just amazing to see how the ESL sector in the, uh, started and then flourished up to this mm-hmm. day. Yes. And I think it also boosted. It became more popular because of the pandemic. People can't go out. They can't do anything. I mean, there are a lot of activities to do. And for some people, uh, they choose to learn English. So they decided to study at home, uh, the comfort of their home using their laptops. And now, and also it means more jobs to our fellow men. (laughs) Filipinos also, not only Filipinos, but also to people who are very uh, fluent in English. So, yeah. (laughs) Interesting. That's true. That's true. It's actually a blessing for a lot of people during this pandemic because ESL, teaching ESL can be done at home. The the platform or the platforms of most ESL companies are web-based. So it can be easily accessed at home. Unlike BPO companies where because of security reasons, they cannot really just work from home, right? They mostly work from the office. Yeah. So now I, I believe uh, ESL have become really popular because it actually provided a lot of jobs to a lot of people who are looking for something they can do from home. So this pandemic can actually be a blessing to the industry. Indeed. <laughs> That's correct. It is a blessing for many people, yeah. not just Filipinos, but to all people who are speaking in English. So now, can you describe the early ESL system back in 2000s? What was the, the, uh, the system back in the day like? How do classes are conducted, their software, you know, their applications, like uh, how about their uh, compensations, their lesson plans, like so those, those kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so early 2000, definitely, uh, there was already a system in place. Actually, the GoFluent system was actually pretty good, even in early 2000, because they were already doing it in the States and in Europe, right? So when we started in the Philippines, there's already a system. But yes, you're right. The materials, for example, are not that many or the way they, they are presented in the system is not as sophisticated as it is now. So there are definitely so many technological advances in ESL software, even with 5.1 Talk. When we started, it was more mostly text and video or you use What's that famous Chinese Skype? <laughs> what do you call that? Uh, is it QQ? QQ, uh, there you go, Q. yes. Yeah. So you use QQ for video and then you, you have like a system where you can chat with a student, right? So that's, that's basically it. But 
now there are so many advances like there's already a white an online whiteboard that you can where you where the teacher can write and the, the student can write so it's very interactive and the materials are also more interesting more focused on the learner more learner centered more colorful and animated <laughs> so the advances in technology affects the the software being used in ESL companies that's for sure yes and i agree about the advancements of technology nowadays it's really affected many ESL companies to innovate my assumption is that before you really have to make lesson plans on your own right uh, probably because <laughs> it, it's well yeah in, in GoFluent we're pretty structured we have uh, an English training team we have a QA we have but yes in the beginning since they're still being founded you know or started so it wasn't as structured as it is now but definitely with GoFluent because it already existed in Europe for many years before it was brought to the Philippines. So when it comes to creating a lesson plan for your for your students, there's there's an actual training for that. It has to be based on the actual leveling matrix. I know there are so many English training companies now who just let their teachers teach without proper training. I'm a proper English teacher, Kim. So <laughs> I'm pretty traditionalist when it comes to that. I believe that the teacher has to be trained. Speaking English is one thing, but learning how to teach it is another thing. And most of the Filipino teachers have good speaking English speaking skills, but they don't really have that much knowledge when it comes to teaching English. So... I'm lucky, I guess, because when I joined GoFluent, there's a very high standard of teaching. So everything was really based on a leveling matrix. First, you have to diagnose the level of your student before you can actually choose the materials and, you know, the resources to give to them, right? Because, for example, if you're teaching a beginner, but you're giving just an article you got somewhere online, so that the student will probably be, will have difficulty with that resource if that is not based on his or her level in the first place. So you have to know the level of your student. You should be able to diagnose that before you even start teaching the student. And that leveling matrix should be based on the international standard, which is what I said earlier, CEFR, I believe is the main international standard that's being used by Cambridge, being used by IELTS, being used by all these international standard tests. It also depends on the purpose of your learner. If your learner is into academic English, then there's a different leveling to that. If, you're, if it's conversational English, then you can just converse and make your student feel comfortable speaking. But if it's to take a test, for example, IELTS, right, which is very common, especially for Asian students, yeah. then you also have to follow a very strict leveling system or and making sure that your your lesson plans are geared towards improving that the level of your learner. Otherwise, again, it becomes, I don't know, not really useless, <laughs> but 
it, it doesn't have any direction. And it will be very difficult to quantify. It will be very difficult to measure the progress of your learner. Yeah. Right? Whereas if you teach your learner, if you diagnose the proper level from the beginning and from that level, for example, your learner is a beginner. Or if you use CEFR, you say A1, A2. And then you base your teaching resources and your lesson plans based on the level of the learner. And then after several lessons, you give her another diagnostic test and you see that she has improved. So it's easy to, to see the improvement. It's more methodology. It's more methodological. <laughs> yeah, it's more structured, basically. And it's quantifiable, which is important because, again, you need to be able to see the progress of your learner sometimes if you talk about the same things over and over again for example your student is you're teaching business english say business english and your student is a lawyer right and she he or she is used to legal english already and you start talking to her or him using legal english you would say oh this this learner is pretty fluent already but maybe he or she is fluent in that specific conversation because he or she is used to that he's used to the vocabulary legal vocabulary is used to sentences that he keeps on repeating over and over again so you think he's fluent but you bring him to another topic or another field say conversational english and then he starts to mumble <laughs> <laughs> yes he's not used to the vocabulary the syntax of, of that field Correct. right and it could also be the skills there, there are some learners who are good in speaking but are not good in writing english even for a lot of filipinos right yes, a agree. lot of us can speak english but cannot write for the life of us so if you're teaching academic english that's not good use because academic english is big on writing because academic english is more on tests so you need to, to be able to teach your student how to write properly in English to pass the test. Otherwise, it will be difficult for the, for the learner. So, you know, English is so rich, as we were talking about earlier, Kim. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's it's right. It's really a profession in itself. It's a career. That's why a lot of people study English for so many years. They have an undergraduate degree in English they're an English major, English literature major. After that, they get their postgraduate, even their doctorate degrees. And they still learn because English is, it's not just about speaking. It's not just about writing. It's not just about the grammar. It, it's, there's really so much about it that you can learn and you can teach your student. And if you are a teacher, an English teacher, there's also so much you can learn. Even for me, who's been teaching English for more than 20 years already, and I have taught different nationalities. That, that again, is another, another factor. It also depends on the nationality of your learner because each country has its own unique way of learning, like the Chinese. It, they they right. learn in a very, very different way than the, Western, uh, the Westerners. So you also have to adjust to that if you really want your learner to learn. So there, so now, I, you know, you can make me speak about ESL 
forever. <laughs> you have to stop me. <laughs> yeah, it's there's just a lot of details like adjusting to your students, evaluating their abilities, and it's not just teaching. It's not just telling them what to do. So there, there are a lot of things you have to execute to be able to teach the language itself so it's good that you made you made that point so that's really cool <laughs> now that we've talked about the uh, the system back in the days right and i think now it's it's more structured and it's it's much easier to teach now because i think there are already lesson plans existing and all you have to do is to teach it to the student and that's right yeah Yeah, innovate from there right innovate from there what were some of the major problems the esl sectors faced during the uh 2000s and technical difficulties like not even sure if you've even had the the dot converse I think the dot com is 90s, so there there's really no ESL industry to speak of at that time. Uh, okay. yeah. But I believe the problems that we encountered in the two thousand in early two thousand are still the same problems in the Philippine setting. You know what they are? They're still about power and internet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, remember yeah. if. Uh, if you don't have power, especially, for example, for you, you in Tapis, right? I'm sure the power industry there is not as stable, like in all parts of the Philippines. So when there's a power outage or a brownout or a blackout, you won't be able to teach, right? right? Because there will be no internet as well. And of course, our internet is known to be one of the slowest in the world. It's another thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's another problem because in the ESL field, power and internet are the most important. If you don't have that, you won't be able to teach. And then, of course, we have weather disturbances. Our weather is so unpredictable in the Philippines, right? Especially when there is a storm. Come July, like today, it, it's, it was raining here a few hours ago. Now it's hot. <laughs> but same it's the same in all parts of the Philippines. You have the whole day raining and then suddenly it stops, it gets really hot. But that affects power and internet again also. So I remember in, in 5.1 Talk, because in 5.1 Talk, we have so many lessons daily. And in all over the Philippines, we have to supervise all the, the lessons all around the Philippines. Before I left, there were like around 20,000 lessons a day that we have to supervise. So you can just imagine if there's brownout in Baguio or there's a storm in Davao or in Cebu, how many of the teachers will be affected? And our office in China will have to call each and every student to explain that their teacher cannot make it today because there's a storm or there's an, a power outage and thousands of those daily so it's i believe that is still a problem now because our internet and our power industry has not really improved that much <laughs> so 
I'm sure a lot of the ESL companies are still dealing with that problem even now. Yeah. So there. My personal experience as a teacher, as an ESL teacher, yes. I can I couldn't agree more with what you said about <laughs> the power outage and the internet. I mean, when it comes to internet, when if there are days where I have no internet, I'm screwed. Like, no. <laughs> it affects our conversations. It affects our conversation, our bonuses, and all those. Even our Especially performance. Feel, right? Even our performance. Uh, not only that, if power as well, if you have problems with power for some reason, I'm just teaching in the middle of the class and then all of a sudden oh it just went off uh <laughs> can you imagine the effect of that to the student especially yeah. in china because in china their internet and their power are pretty stable yeah. even if they're in the remote parts of china their internet is pretty fast compared to ours so they can't really understand if a teacher has is having some power problems or internet problems yes. <laughs> right so that affects business definitely and that affects you're right that affects your performance as a teacher that affects your credibility as a teacher because the student will be like okay why is my teacher why can't i hear my teacher <laughs> <laughs> why is my teacher gone <laughs> so... especially if you're kids that that would be really difficult to explain. So yeah, that's really a problem. I agree. That so, I hope our government will find ways to, to solve. Indeed. Right? So now most companies usually require a stable connection, right? And if you have backup, then uh, it would definitely help like your generators <laughs> if, if you have yeah. one. You know, in 5-1-Talk before, we would actually recommend to our to some of our really good teachers to buy generators. So because, you know, when you're teaching daily and you're doing it as your main source of income, then you also have to invest in the tools that's needed to make sure that you provide good English lessons, right? So if getting a generator will be good for your business <laughs> then yeah go get it yeah <laughs> that's right like right uh, because that... the, the, you will also get good student uh, feedback and the more students like you the more they will book lessons with you right so if you invest in good tools like a good computer higher bandwidth for your internet and a generator to make sure you get power outages <laughs> then you become more credible as an English provider. So if you could afford one, go ahead and get a generator, especially if you're looking into doing work from home, doing a job from home, like ESL regularly as your career, as your profession. Not only this applies to ESL, ESL, but it also applies to other online online related businesses, like home-based, like freelancers i think it's one common problem that all these uh, companies share <laughs> yeah. and i think the pandemic has really 
emphasize that the need for that because now there are really more and more people working from home. And a lot of companies have realized that some of their people could actually work from home. And you don't, especially here in Metro Manila, when you have to commute every day for like two, three hours a day <laughs> just to get to your office, yeah. it would be more efficient if the employee could just work from home instead of commute for so many hours to get to work. Correct. So, I believe after the pandemic, there will really be more people needing stronger internet, stronger power. Yeah, no, no power outages or get a generator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of uh, internet connections, I think there are tons of improvements now. We have a new competitor, right? A computer competitor when it comes to internet service providers. So that's good for the business. The new technology, like the fiber connections, are now available in some provinces. Here, 5G. Yeah, 5G and <laughs> all those stuff. So, so since we were talking about the, uh, the major problem, so let's move on to those solutions and improvements. So I specified one earlier. Before you left the uh, industry, what were some changes you think the ESL companies made and uh, overall helped the ESL industry become what it is today? Well, as actually, even if I were already in the tourism field, I'm still a consultant for some, some companies that are also into ESL or BPO. So I haven't really lost touch when it comes to ESL. And I believe the problems are as I said earlier, are still the same. It's mostly problem with infrastructure like power and internet, but how it has changed, maybe now there are more and more competitors. Before there were only a few e-learning companies, ESL e-learning companies. Mostly there were physical like physical face-to-face companies, but now there are many many variants of ESL. <laughs> there are those with uh, physical schools, but they also do online. You know, they do blended hybrid ESL teaching. There are more competitors. So there are also a need for more and more English teachers. So it's pretty much like the BPO industry. I've also witnessed how the BPO industry grew. So in the beginning, no one, nobody knew what it was. But eventually, more and more people got into it. it. It evolved. It got into different fields and industries, different tasks, different roles. It's not just customer service. There comes technical support, HR outsourcing, finance outsourcing. So many, right? And then IT. Really? There's so many IT companies that started to sprout everywhere in, in the Philippines. It's the same for ESL. There are also many different kinds of ESL companies. Some are more into immersive, face-to-face, but they also do online. There are those who are purely online uh, ESL schools. So actually, I believe the main problem of the ESL industry now is really talent. There is now a war for talent because in the past, there were not that many people who are into English teaching, right? It's pretty much a new industry. 
So now that there are more and more companies needing English teachers, there's also a need to train or and to source more and more English teachers from the different parts of the Philippines. So I believe that would be the main challenge in the future or in the present. If I believe, for example, with some of the companies like Five One Talk is investing so much on recruitment because there are so many students in China who need teachers, but there's not enough teachers from the Philippines. That's why if you see, they're always recruiting, right? Yes. So that shows that the supply is not as big as the demand. So even before I left Five One Talk, we were already trying to look for ways to source English teachers or to train students before they even graduate to become English teachers because there's already a need. There's a, a big demand for it, but there's not much supply. So yeah, that that will be, I think that that that's a present problem and the future problem of ESL. There, there should be a way to institutionalize it in schools all over the Philippines. You know, uh, there, I know there's uh, and there's Bachelor of Arts in English in almost all the schools, but maybe they can incorporate more of the ESL learner-centered teaching English part into the curriculum so that when a student graduates, mm -hmm. he or she will really be ready to teach English online right they, they did that yes. with bpo companies bpo companies in the past would partner with schools and universities to offer customer service courses for example or subjects so that when a student graduates and he or she wants to enter that industry then she's already prepared to do that she's um she has the skills and some sort of experience right so it should be the same with ESL. We started that before with FEU. We tried to partner with them to have like an English lab in the university and students can come into the lab and maybe teach part-time. So they earn at the same time. So that kind of model, that kind of academe and industry matching would be great for, for the industry in general. Because I think there will be more and more demand for English teachers in the Philippines. It's, it's time to institutionalize it in our educational system, right? So that there will also be more teachers who are prepared, who are trained, even before they enter the labor market. So I'm already talking, Kim, about the industry level, you know, not just the business side of it but the industry, because if there's demand, why not, right? Our, the courses that we teach in the university that, that should be aligned to the demand outside. Because what are you going to do if you learn a, a course that, and then you can't get a job when you graduate? Yeah. Most of us need jobs. So if you want a practical course, ESL could actually be course not just a subject actually it could be a course that's separate from ba english could be ba esl or something <laughs> <laughs> right because esl is it's it's really i know bachelor of arts in english is more on literature english literature 
So you learn English literature and grammar and syntax, which is good. But ESL is more on the teaching side. So if there's TESOL or teaching English as a second language certificate, you can actually turn that into a course. I, I know there are already some universities that make it a major. So like your BA English major in ESL, something like that, or they offer courses in ESL. I know there are several universities that do that already, but I think we have to encourage more and more universities and schools to do that because there will really be more demand for English teachers in the Philippines, that's for sure. Especially now that technology is, you know, you can be anywhere and teach. Right. <laughs> so and it's actually a good career and a good source of income for most of us. Interesting. And I believe you mentioned about ESL not being uh, an industry in itself, like it's still under the, uh, the branch of... BPO industry, am I right? Yes, there, because that is because there is not there there is no existing association or group that really lobbies for ESL or I don't know if ESL would be the right name for the industry. Maybe it should be TEFL, teaching English as a foreign language, because this is, ESL is more for the student, right? When you say ESL, English as second language, that's for students who want to learn English but the industry is mostly for English teachers so it should be teaching English as a foreign language there's no such thing as TESL there's TEFL and <laughs> the difference just to just to mention this ESL mo, uh, the difference between ESL and EFL ESL is when you teach the student in an immersive environment so it's more more on, uh, let's say, a Korean going to the U.S. to learn. And that's ESL because she's in the U.S. where everybody speaks English. So outside the classroom, she has to use the language to communicate, say, to buy food or to. So it's a totally immersive environment. When that's the case, then you can call it ESL. But if you are teaching from online, and your the student after learning from you goes out and buys food and uses her own language instead of English. Then that's not immersive. Then you can call it EFL or foreign language. So, I think the industry the industry should be called TEFL industry. But since ESL is more common and more popular, then fine. <laughs> call whatever you want. But yeah, there's an association or a group that lobbies for the for the good of the industry and separate from the BPO IT industries. There should be because English teaching will really become bigger and bigger now that technology is so common and easy to use. More and more people will realize that they can actually get a good English teacher by doing it virtually. More and more people will realize that they don't have to leave their homes just to learn English. So this, this kind of industry will definitely get bigger and bigger and more and more Filipinos can take advantage of this. 
And you know, for me, English teaching is really a very fulfilling career. That's why now, even as an entrepreneur, I, I, I still call myself an English teacher. Because as I told you earlier, Kim, that doesn't leave you, right? Yeah. Even when you're in tourism, you're in HR, you're in whatever field. Once an English teacher, you'll always be an English <laughs> So yes. it's, it's really a, a profession. It's a career. And if, if, you know, someday when I get old, I'm thinking, oh, I can just go and teach English online. I don't have a problem with that because it's actually something I enjoy. I enjoy teaching English. It's such a rich language and it, you can learn so much from it as you teach it. You know, the more you teach it, the more you learn from it. So it's it's really a profession for me. And I I'm sure all the real English teachers out there will, will agree with me. <laughs> Definitely. 100% agree. Like a lot of a lot of points you've made there. And I'm really happy that you brought up these all these points, all these uh, statements. So yeah, love that. Now, going back to your life again as an English teacher, which I think you are still up to, up to this day, as you mentioned. Yes. <laughs> what is the number one quality an ESL teacher should possess to be able to stay in the industry, to be able to thrive and <laughs> for a long time? That's a good question. That's a good question. Because some people think ESL or TFL is like a BPO job. You can just go into it and leave. With, with English teaching, I think it's more than just a job. As I said earlier, it's a profession. So if you're really passionate about it, it's something that never leaves you. And you can easily integrate it with many fields. Like with me, I'm into HR, training, tourism, different fields really business but my being an English teacher will always remain with me because for me it's a calling it's a profession and if you want to make English training your lifelong career or profession then you have to keep developing yourself right you have to take continuing professional education there are so many you can take TESOL TEFL courses and just make sure that you get it from credible institutions. The most credible is, of course, Kelta or the Cambridge one, because they're really considered to be the number one English training institute in the world. And if you have a Kelta or a Delta, Kelta, the C, it's, it's pronounced as Kelta, not Celta. Most people say Celta, because C stands for certificate for English language teaching. So if you get that or the Delta, which is the diploma in English language teaching, and you get, get it from Cambridge, you can teach in practically wherever in the world. That's the certificate that will get you anywhere. So for those of you who want to get into this seriously, you can get that, or you can get a certificate from Trinity College in London also. That's another very popular certification. There are some uh, many other TEFL and TESOL certifying bodies, but I'm not very sure about 
the credibility of those yeah <laughs> so if you're going to invest in in a certification make sure that it's from a credible certifying body because with that certificate you can travel the world you can basically go and teach anywhere anywhere right yeah. so um <laughs> yeah that's, so that's one I'll always learn because english like any you know like being in school or being in an academy part of a university professor or a teacher you never stop learning right you right. you keep learning because as i said there's so much to learn about english like me i've been teaching english for 20 years but i still learn from it every now and then and it, it's amazing the more you the more you learn from it the better teacher you will be because then you can simplify concepts to students like grammar for example people, students are very afraid of grammar right because they think it's this monster it's difficult <laughs> you know but if you learn english well well enough to teach it very simply to your students your students will also learn to appreciate it in a simple way because there's really a simple way to teach grammar where it doesn't get you know um too technical yeah but that, that that's something that a lot of english teachers can learn right and of course get feedback very important to get feedback so if you are an english teacher and you work for let's say an esl school it would be good if that if that company or that school has a qa system in place don't be afraid of quality assurance or standards, right? Because it will make you a better English teacher. I was lucky because when I worked with GoFluent in the past, the, the QA and the standards was very strong. So there was really a feedback mechanism where as a teacher, you get feedback from teacher trainers and you learn from them. So as long as you're open to feedback, the more you know you will really be better at your craft i think not just in english teaching but in life in general we have to be open to feedback and not be afraid of it or not take it as criticism right especially yeah. with filipinos i think we're very sometimes very sensitive to feedback we're not used to getting and receiving feedback right because we are trained to <laughs> not to speak <laughs> right not to speak not to to say anything but you know in in any profession not just english teaching if you really want to grow in that profession you have to be able to ask for feedback and you have to be able to receive feedback constructively you know i'm, I'm also in hr kim so for me, I always, with my, the teams I handle, I always tell them, guys, don't be afraid of feedback. I'm giving you feedback because I want you to grow. This is not something for you to feel bad about. This is for you to be better at your craft because if no one, nobody gave you feedback in the past, there's no way you're going to grow. You'll just think you're good at it, but other people won't. <laughs> yes. Right? So you have to get other people's um feedback and advice as well you cannot just rely on your own confidence and as i said it's part of the learning process we learn if we make a mistake and somebody tells us about it somebody points it out 
and then we receive it and we practice it. So there should be there should be that. There's, there has to be some feedback mechanism given to English teachers as well. So we keep learning and we keep getting better at our craft. So there. And what else? Learn about CFR because I know and I've met several English teachers who don't even know what leveling is about. I remember when I first met the Five One Talk founders, they don't even know anything about the English language teaching industry. They don't even know what methodology means. So I had to introduce them to the leveling system, what it means. And, you know, if you want to start a business in ESL, you cannot just get a teacher and a student and that's it. And they talk, that's it, right? Mm. Because there has to be some sort of system where you base your, your lessons from. Yes, some sort of uh, standards. Right. Some sort exactly. Of yes. Exactly. Uh, so if you don't have a standard, then where, how are you going to measure progress? How are you going to say that your student has moved from A1 to B1 or A1 or B1 to B2, right? In the leveling right. system. So it has to be systematic and there has to be some sort of methodology. Of course, if you are a new English teacher, that would be very difficult, but you can start with beginners first. That's what we do in Five on Talk before. If a teacher is new and has no experience teaching yet, we try to match them with beginner students first. Yeah. Because beginners, you know, some of them, you have to review the alphabet. And, you know, very basic things that pretty much anyone who can speak English can do, right? Yes. But as you grow, as you learn more, then you also advance to intermediate learners or even to advanced learners because they all have different needs. They all have different purposes why they want to learn English. So you have to be able to diagnose what they need and what their level is, right? Before you start teaching. It's like being a doctor. If you see a patient and you diagnose the patient the wrong way, then you get, give that person the wrong medicine, it's disaster, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's but, right. Right? It's the same as English teaching, actually. And so many English teachers do that now. They think that all learners are the same. They just teach the same resource without really knowing what the, the level of the learner is and what the needs of the learners are. So are those students progressing? I don't know. It can be hard to tell, yes. It can be hard to tell. Especially if you have to evaluate your student rather because uh, after the class there are evaluations and mm-hmm. that, that measure how your students learn so it, it will come out as a result right after you do those after you do the classes with the student exactly. with the learner right exactly and sometimes these evaluation forms are just there for show there's no proper system behind it right or proper english teacher training behind it so i've seen so many of these forms from different ESL schools. And sometimes I'm like, okay, where did you base this? 
<laughs> that's the basis of this and they can't explain they copied it somewhere online so if you truly care about your students progress then you have to take proper training also you have to find ways to to improve your knowledge and your skills as an english teacher as i said it's really a profession you learn from it you never stop learning from it there's so yeah. much that you can learn about esl and english training and english as a language itself so if you're really passionate about that yeah i would advise those three things never stop learning get yourself certified get feedback yeah. and yes fourth know your leveling system please <laughs> all right so there we go four four tips and advices from miss flow be a lifelong lear learner always be open to feedback learn about the international standards see if are or be certified and number four is yeah the, the one that you mentioned not too long ago so i believe we're almost at the end of our session so when is the best time for aspiring teachers aspiring those people who want to join the esl industry uh, when is the best time for them to apply and work and Yeah, you already gave your pieces of advice, so that's it. <laughs> uh, the best time is now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the right? best time. Yes, correct. You now. <laughs> it, it's on the high. It's on the. How uh, would I say that? It's. It's on the top of the. Uh, I can't. I can't find the word. <laughs> But anyway, doesn't okay. matter. So. One more thing, uh, where should we follow you on social media? Okay, I have a love and hate relationship, Kim, with social media. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, um, I have recently um, reactivated my page. It's called Miss Flo Rivera. You can look for it. I'm planning to add more content to it. Mostly on tourism and ESL. Kim, we have to do another podcast about tourism <laughs> next time. Yeah, yeah but you can look for that, Miss Flo Rivera, or add me. My personal account is Flo Rivera. So on Instagram, it's Travel Bug Flow. So Travel Bug is actually my travel company. So there. I'll, uh, I'm planning to do uh, a YouTube channel and a TikTok channel soon, but as I said, yeah. I have a lot of <laughs> with, with social media, so it's taking me a long time to do that. But maybe this podcast will be the trigger. Wow. <laughs> I'm so excited so, about your ventures on social media. You'll be learning a lot and TikTok and Instagram. Tons of learnings on the uh, social media part. Yeah. It's so useful. Lots of things you can do there. So, yeah. Okay. And I think that's about it for our session tonight. Thank you for being on, Flo. I, I really appreciate your time. Despite your busy uh, schedule. And you also told me that you were sick a few days ago. So, thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. 
thank you, Kim, for having me. And I really enjoyed a lot. And yes, hoping to get another podcast from you this time yes. with Trump. You've reached the end of another episode of Historia. If you like this episode, make sure to follow us on Spotify. Also, check out Historia's social media accounts for more pieces of content. See you in the next one.